Greetings from Bishop Aubrey Shines and G2G Ministries in Tampa, Florida. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by the biblical message you are about to hear. Today's classic sermon from Bishop Shines is entitled, A Desire for Prayer, with reference scripture 1 Timothy 2 and 8 in the Amplified Classic Translation. Uh, Timothy. Now, Timothy was one of the spiritual sons to St. Paul. And I love the relationship between the both of them, uh, so incredibly dy- dynamic. And so here is a letter, and, and I love this here. I love the writing here. And it's just one verse of Scripture. I want you to pay attention to it. We're populating it for you right now on the screen. It's simple. He, he says this. He says, I desire, d- uh, desire, rather, therefore, that in every place, note the language, men should pray. How? Without anger and or quarreling or resentment or doubt in their minds. This is key. Lifting up holy hands. I want to read it again because I just want to make about three or four notes here. And I'm going to make sure that you grab it. Note the words of the apostle to this young man here. He says, I desire, therefore, that in every place. Now, again, he's given Timothy this word because Timothy now becomes the evangelist for Paul. He becomes a young man that is helping him uh, establish ministries, establish churches. And so these words or these commands that the spirit of the Lord has given now to the apostle, the apostle is now sharing this with his spiritual son, Timothy. In other words, Timothy, make the same deposit that I'm making in you. I want you to make this in the lives of all mankind, men everywhere that call on the name of the Lord. Note the language that he utilizes here. He says, I desire, therefore, that in every place. Now, note the key word there. He's not just talking about the reference of a tent and or what we call a church or what they call then a tabernacle and or a synagogue. He's saying in every single place, wherever people are, People should be praying. Powerful. Because it gives us, and you want to take a quick note here, it gives us what is called a framework or a foundation for the life of a believer. It doesn't matter where you are. See, and again, I I want you to dispel something uh, in your minds, and that is that your best prayer is when you're in the house of the Lord. That may be a truth but it is not the truth. Why? Because you can also pray this fervently wherever you are. It doesn't matter where you are. Now, I'm not talking about uh, being unseemingly. I'm not talking about when you're at your job and you're sitting at your desk and men and women are sitting around and you just go into prayer right there out loud. That's not what I'm talking about. That is not the character of God. However, at your jobs, you certainly have a right to pray and you have a right to take your breaks and pray. And again, you don't do it that people can see you doing it. It's just simply saying, to the believer, and and please understand, this here is written for the believer. So ma'am, sir, wherever you are, this is part of a command that the Holy Spirit gives to the apostles to give to his spiritual son, Timothy, that you and I now become engaged within this concept for a reason why. Please write it down. Prayer establishes the atmosphere. Prayer establishes establishes the atmosphere. Note what he says. He says, this is my desire, therefore, that in every place men should pray. Then I love this part here. 
And this is something that so many of us miss. Unfortunately, I too have been so guilty of this uh, throughout the course of my life until I began to grow in the things of the Lord. And hear the words of the apostle again. He says, without anger. Now, why? Often, prayer is made when we are upset about something. And when we are upset about something, we go right into prayer. Now, again, I'm not saying don't pray if you are upset. It's, it's still a pretty good time to pray. But Paul is giving what I call a template to simply say, don't let that type of emotion dominate your spirit. Why? Because when a person is angry, they're not always balanced. See, if I'm angry with you, and I want you to consider this. If you're angry with me, if you're angry with whomever you are, if, if you're given to fits of rage and or anger, well, guess what's going to happen when you pray? You're going to pray out of the character of anger. So if someone has angered you, you're certainly not going to bless them. That's, that's not going to happen. You will be praying for their demise without even knowing it. You'll be praying for, especially if you've been treated, and let's say you were treated unfairly for whatever the reason. If you're angry about it, guess what you're going to do? You're going to pray that they get theirs just like you got yours. That's not what God is, through this man of God, is saying to another man of God, then to us. He's saying, look, when we pray, don't let the anger portion be part of the equation. Don't let that be part of your narrative. Why? Because when you're hurt, you're going to pray out of hurt. When you're, when you, it's, it's just like being rejected. Usually, and I, I, I could talk about this because I've lived this portion, unfortunately, for a very long time in my personal life. When a person has been rejected, it's very easy for us to then reject people. We don't even know that we're doing it. We do it out of a natural proclivity because in our mind, subconsciously at least, we are protecting our heart. So if you've hurt me, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to let you hurt me again. I'm going to reject you before you can reject me. Well, the same premise is true even here about praying. Paul said, look, here's the desire. I want people praying everywhere. He says, however, 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 I don't want you doing it out of anger. Don't be angry when you're doing it. Why? Because your personality, your hurt, usually when people are angry, and you can probably take note of this, it means there's a wound somewhere. You've been wounded. And so when people have wounded you, hard to pray for them. This is why often you hear people say things like this, well, I'm praying, but I'm just going to stay away from everyone. Why? You're angry. You've been wounded. I, I, I love the church, wherever your church may be, but I, I need to go somewhere where people are just not going to be the way they are. I have some real good news for you, and it really help you. Wherever you go and people are, you're going to still find the same problem. See, if you don't pass certain tests in life, leaving is not going to change the fact that you got to take that test again. Why? Because all of us have to grow in, out and through our experiences. But one of the things that could help us pray more fervently and or effectively is when we're not praying out of anger. See, when you pray out of anger, you're praying out of a wound. You're praying because you've really been burned in that area. I've watched people that, I, I hate to put it this way, but I think this is a pretty proper way to put this, 
they pray the wrong prayers when they're hurting. Someone hurt them, they'll say this before they know it and don't realize they've just prayed it. I'm never going to let someone do that again. You may just have hindered your own blessing. Can you imagine if we got angry because we went to a restaurant and they served us bad food? Like if you, out of your anger you say, bless God, I'm never going to go to another restaurant in my life. I think you're catching the point. Oh, if you ate something at home, would you use the same prayer? Of course not. But if you chose to do so, you could see the demise. Or maybe you were doing everything that you knew to do. Because sometimes our anger is not just against people, whether you know it or not. Often our anger is actually towards God. And we don't realize we're actually angry at God and we've never really identified with that anger. Now, what would make us become angry with God? When we've done all that we know to do and God doesn't come through for us, there's a, there's a subconscious thing that happens to most people. We actually get angry with God. We've, 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 in the name of God, we treated people great. And instead, we got something pretty bad. We become angry with God because why would God send us to go do something for someone? Or, or, or instruct us to serve someone, and then they hurt us. Before you know it, anger has come within your heart, and you're not responding to God properly. Why? Because what you thought God had done for you, it's not working out. But you knew that it was God. But why would God do this? Guess what happens? Anger settles in. I'm never going to do now what God has told me to do. I'm just going to go and I'm just going to love God, but I'm not interested in doing any work for God because you know what? The last 10 times I did some work or the five times, whatever it is, I did something for God. Every time I do something for God, it just seems like it just doesn't go right. So I'm going to keep loving God, but I'm certainly not going to obey God. You know what you're doing? You're operating out of anger. Maybe you were trusting and believing God for healing. Maybe you prayed for someone. And I've seen this so often. We pray for people and they get, I mean, divinely healed. A sovereign God gives them a miracle. But then when you are ailing, all of a sudden that, that, that same manifestation doesn't happen. You're angry and you don't even realize it. To the point often what you may say is, I'm not praying for anyone else. You know what you're doing? You're being like a little child. And all of us have been that child before where, you know what, I, bless God, I did it. It worked for them. It worked for them. It did for them. Maybe God instructed you to give and you gave and, 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 and people were blessed. But then when you had a need, it didn't seem like God came through for you for some reason. Guess what? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're angry with God. Therefore, your anger says, I'm not going to make any more sacrifices financially and do things for God. I may go out and give something to someone that's on the street that needs a sandwich. But bless God, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to do it the way that God have had me to do it before. What is going on? You're angry. And so note what the scripture says. Let's go back to it one more time. It's, it's, it's so powerful. He says, pray without anger. And here's another word. And I love the Amplified Translation because actually... It is the actual Greek word that's, that's actually in the scripture. When you read it uh, from other translations, he says, not just don't, just don't do this without anger. He says, but don't be quarreling. A person that quarrels a lot is a person 
that is really, and you want to write this down, a qualler is someone who's trying to establish that they are someone. That's usually birthed out of something that's called insecurity. So the way to get it is to bully. The way to get it is to fight. The way to get it, listen, men, wherever you may be viewing in this country, when you scream and yell and raise and put more bass in your voice to make a point, that type of quarreling, that's not what God is calling for even in your prayers because that type of quarreling actually, again, it pollutes your spirit because whether you know it or not, you'll quarrel with God. And, and it's hard to comprehend this, but not just with God, you'll quarrel with each other. If you're always snappy, defensive, you're going to make sure that somebody knows where you're coming from. Bless God, they ain't going to say that to me anymore ever again. I will set the record straight. If not, I'll set it off in here. You know what you're doing? You're quarreling. You've not learned that <clears throat> humility, lowering yourself is really the way to get up. And often again, quarreling comes because you're trying to establish ground. Perhaps it was taken from you. And, and it may have been unjust when it was taken. But if you're not careful, you'll become quarreling. You'll always be so quarrelsome that you're just arguing all the time. I don't know about you. One of the most unpleasant things in life is to be around someone that you can't talk to. It's a horrible experience. They just want to fight. They just quarrel all the time. You say something nice and, and they say something off. And to the point you go, I don't think I want to say this anymore. I know many of you can relate to it. Often we have family members. <laughs> I have family members like this. I just choose to love them. And, and I'm cordial and I'm kind and I pray for them. But I refuse to quarrel with them. Because everything that comes out of their mouth, they want to argue about everything. You can compliment them on something they have on, and they'll quarrel. Well, it's not just what they really what I wanted to wear. When I, when I get to a point when I lose some weight, wait, you put that thing on. And see, what happens, a person that is like that, guess what? When you pray, you're the same way. Now, let me tell you the hidden uh, revelation here. You may want to write this down about quarreling. A person that quarrels a lot can never receive. Please write this word down. They can't ever receive what's called fresh revelation. You know why? They'll fight it when it's coming to them. Because it's, it's part of their nature. They're fighting. So God is trying to impregnate their spirit. And instead of them just opening up. See, a quarreler is always in this position, always in this fighting position. When you are, guess what? Your hands can't then open up and receive because your hands are always protective. And I'm not talking about just protecting your heart. That's a different issue. I'm talking about you're always ready to fight. Well, when you're ready to fight, that means, and you want to write this down, you, you are also then a poor hearer. You can't hear well. Because a person that quarrels a lot, they have one thing in their mind. They just want to take you out, take you down. That's it. That person is never open then to proper criticism. They're never open to, if you don't like that word, maybe you can use the word critiquing. I, whether you like it or not, it's really the same type of word there. They're not encourageable. They are not given to correction. And the reason being is because they want to fight. 
Something has happened along the way. And, and look, note what Paul says. He says, don't be this person. Don't do that. He says, don't be angry and don't be a fighter like this. Now, again, we're not talking about all types of fighting, but we're talking about that which impedes your ability to pray properly. Let's go a little further. He says, not just quarreling. He says, or resentment. And I, don't, I won't even get to doubt right now. There's a lot of believers that operate with what I call the heart of resentment. They, just re they are in a spirit where they just resent. Things didn't go right. I've never seen so many believers go through this uh, as I have even in the last few years of my life. They're just filled with resentment. They just resent. They, things didn't work. Things didn't go the way they want. And guess what happens when you're a resenter? You may want to write this down. You will then begin to lower your own expectations because you won't even believe you deserve what God has really said. It's powerful, but it's just true. People that resent things, and you want to write this down, are not people that are grateful for all things. See, when you resent something, you're not quick to be a person that's given to thanksgiving. People that don't express thanksgiving can never have joy. I'm quoting scripture here, by the way. See, a person that's given, when you resent something, you're not quick to lift up your hands. You're not quick to give God glory because you resent the fact that where you are, that's where you are. And then what we'll do is we become judges of other people, and we're always looking around at someone else because we resent where we are right now. And a person that's filled with this type of resentment, know what happens in your prayer. You're only going to pray a certain kind of way. Usually your prayers will always be about you. Always. I mean, when you're dealing with this resentment thing, it's always about you. Always about because you have a need now to get ahead. You have a need to shine. You have a need to be on top. You have, that's, you're resenting. And when a person is filled with resentment, you never are given to things. In other words, you can never get to a point that you're able to lift up your hands and give God glory for even the bad things that have happened. That thought never comes to your mind. Why? Because you resent that you are where you are. A person that resents as well, let me give you another point here. They often uh, blame others for their positions. They blame others for uh, why they are where they are. You know, if I would have never married him, I'd be in a better place. That's what you're resenting. By the way, no one told you to marry them. You did that. You said God said it. But now you resent what you did. And guess what you do? A person that resents, it, it, please hear me. This is really powerful. A person that resents, they're always looking back at their past mistakes. Because they resent it. And so what they're really doing is always trying to play catch up. Let me help you. Stop it. You cannot change yesterday. I love the way Jesus put it. He says, which one of you <laughs> that thinking about yesterday could change one cubit, change one, just, just, a, just a smidgen of your height? He said, you can't do any of those things. You can't change your DNA simply because you're resenting something. Learn. How do I break that, Pastor? Simple. Learn to be a person that's thankful. Instead of looking back at how horrible it is, how about look back and say, you know what, God, I don't know what you just brought me out of, but God, I just thank you. And, and instead of walking in resentment, I'm going to walk in thanksgiving. Let me give you just these other uh, few here. He says, again, when you're praying, don't enter that. He says, or doubting. And, and here is, in my opinion, I'm glad 
that the Holy Spirit gave this to Paul the way that he gave it to Paul. I'm so glad that doubting is right there at that very end, right before the conclusion of this. And let me tell you why. Most believers don't even realize they walk in doubt more often than they really should. Now, they should never do it, but they walk in it so often they don't even realize that they're doing it. And note how I love the way the amp puts it here. He says, or doubt in their minds. You know, the Bible says that when a person doubts, that means they're unstable. Then James, the brother of Jesus, latter, in some latter, uh, uh, several uh, days, I mean, uh, years from there, he, he writes kind of the same thing. He says, a person that walks in this thing called doubt, he says, that person is unstable in everything that they do. Now, watch this. This is so key. Remember, don't forget this. This is written to the church. You know, this would be different if this was written for the world. It would certainly make all of us feel better. But this is actually written to the church. He's saying to the church believer, to the man or woman that goes to church on a regular basis, he says one of the things that you want to be really careful is that you do not pray in doubts that's in your mind. What he's talking about, he's talking about being unstable. You cannot trust and believe God. I'm talking about doubt right now. Again, go back to the top. I desire, therefore, that in every place man should pray. In other words, don't enter into doubt when you're praying. Because let me tell you what doubt does. It'll make you wishy-washy. You'll believe God one day, and the moment you see trouble, my God, it can't be God. Well, if you keep operating like that, you'll never, ever overcome anything. Because let me tell you something, life will challenge you. And it will make you, if you are not careful, you will doubt that even God said something to you. What happens? Doubt comes in our mind, and you want to record this, when we are not, and I love this word here, when we are not intentionally consistent in whatever direction God has spoken. I believe it was the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah that was told by God, set your face, Jeremiah, like flint. In other words, Boy, be solid, be, be directive, be, be myopic, have an obtuse position. I'm sorry, I'm back in school here. Have a position of such that you're so focused that nothing takes your mind away from what God has said about you. That means that if God has told you that he's going to do something for you, I don't care what opposition comes, don't let your mind do it. Can I give you a hint? Usually doubt comes late at night. It does. Doubt comes when we are alone. See, it's easy to be around several hundred people and you're all singing the same things. Man, you feel like you could overcome anything. You really do. You feel like David. You feel like you could just leap over troops and, and run over mountains. But when the people's voices are not around and the music is not going and the preacher's not preaching and you're alone, and then whatever you've been trusting and believing God for, your mind says, but, but, what, 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 but, what, what, but, and they'll keep doing that. And those kind of things will begin to play on you if you're not careful. And you'll begin to doubt whether or not that what you had already received, God is really going to do that thing. God says, I'm going to heal your children, deliver them. And now you watch that same child in jail. Your, them doubts come in. I don't know. Because if that girl or that boy, if they just went so hard-headed, then God could do it. Listen, God saved you. 
And I got a sneaky feeling, at least according to the scripture. Now, you can lie to me all day. Can't lie to this word. The Bible says that while all of us were truth breakers, non-covenant keepers, we were blasphemous. We used God's name in vain. Guess what God says? I never, this is God. God says, I have no doubt I have come to save them. God never changed his mind. Let me tell you how we know it. He so believed it, the Bible says, he went to the cross for it and paid the ultimate price, his own blood. Because he was looking at you and I, he says, I have no doubt I am here to save them. Oh, I feel glory in this place. And so when, when God does that for the joy that was set before him, well, then you and I, when we're faced with these monumental challenges, and they can be pretty, I mean, some of our challenges can be massive at times. We just don't see a way out. But can I tell you something? God's never going to change. He's never going to change what he said. If he said, I'm going to bring you out, listen, go to sleep on it. I don't care if you have to write it down. Now, this may sound weird to some of you. But in walking it with and in the Lord for the period of time that I've done, I've had to intentionally do some things to remind myself why. Because I knew doubt would be knocking on my door. So sometimes, I don't know if they use them anymore, I would get a little uh, what they call sticky notes. I'd write certain scriptures on them. I'd put them everywhere. Instead of looking at myself in a mirror, I'd put scriptures that way I could see that scripture before I see me. And I get that thing in my spirit before shaving or something, then remove that thing and then get to my shaving part. Same thing is true at night. You got to be careful. Got to be careful because when God has spoke to you, that enemy will come right when that sleep is about to get good to you and begin to say, you know, it ain't going to happen. That's why you, this is why you're feeling what you're feeling. I'll never forget this. I don't want to give too much detail to this, but many years ago, Many, many years ago, God had really blessed me. Before I moved to uh, the state of Florida, really had blessed me. I mean, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And one of my closest friends, he didn't mean bad. He didn't mean bad. He just loved me. And this, we had just he and his wife, and I just always had a great uh, relationship. And he came to where I, I was living. And when he, when he got there, he didn't know you know, a whole lot about it. And God had really blessed me. I wasn't pastoring and that sort of thing. And when he came to my place, he stood outdoors. He got out of his little million dollar car is what I called it. And, and when he got out, he looked at this beautiful place that God had blessed me with. This is what came out of his mouth. Now, remind you, God had blessed me with this. Everything was working. I mean, all cylinders, man, were really pumping. And he gets out of the car. And I'm not saying the devil used him. I'm not saying that. But let me tell you what happened to me, what he spoke this word. When he got out, he looked at my place and he said this. He called me by my name. He said, man, how did you do this? And I began to think. Now, I knew the answer that God had did this. He said to me, and then he quoted a group of individuals. He said, the way that you live, he said, and then he began to name individuals, name what they did. He said, Folk don't live like this. Man, how you doing this? Let me tell you what happened to me. Doubt. Boy, that thing got into me so quick. I'm not kidding. I stood there in my driveway. I could feel my heart just, it felt like it was going to jump out my chest. He didn't know it, 
but boy, I was going through. And then the thought here again, doubt in my mind, immediately I heard the enemy, you know, you're going to lose this place. Now, I never thought about that thing before until that thing came out. And while I'm contemplating, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like if I don't have money to take care of this place, what am I going to do? I'm going to lose, I'm going to, immediately the spirit of the Lord came within me again rose up rather within me and said, who gave this to you? I said, oh, yes, Lord. And I calmed down. See, had I gone into prayer right there, I would have been praying, now, God, I don't know how. You're going to help me sustain this place that you gave me. I know you gave it to me, but I don't know how you're going to do it. See, I would be down in my mind. That would be a bad prayer. See, that means I would have entered into prayer with doubt. Here God have already done something, but here I am doubting, praying, and asking God to help me. Can you imagine this? God gives you something, and then you pray to God, now God help me sustain what you've given me. That's like someone giving you a big gift. It's yours. You take it, and then you turn around and look at him or her and say, now please help me. I know you gave this to me, but please help me keep it. The person would have never given it to you. See, that's how doubt works. Here's the conclusion. How do we begin to cement these things? We go through the list, but I love the latter part. Look at what it says. I desire, therefore, that in every place men should pray without anger or quarreling or resentment or doubt in their minds. How? By lifting up holy hands. Why is that so important to lift up our hand? It is I could literally preach about the lifting up of hands for a month from the Old Testament through the New Testament. I could show you where the, the armies of God would go in with their hands lifted up in a form of victory. Why? Because it is a sign that we're free. See, when you lift up hands before a holy God, what you're saying is, God, not only do I surrender, everything is in your hand. That means that I'm out of the equation. I'm not operating now with anger or quarreling or resentment or doubt that's in my mind. But I'm standing with my hands open knowing these things are not a part of my life. No, sir, no, ma'am. I have my hands lifted because my God is good to me. That's where God wants to take us. We hope this message has been a blessing in your life. To hear more inspiring, transformative messages, Visit glorytoglory.org and make sure you follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.